grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith is a funny thing. Everybody has their understanding of what it means, how you define faith, and if you have heard my sermons or been to a class of mine, you know that I have my opinions about faith and what people typically say about faith and how we need to be very deliberate about what we say about it as well. Faith requires something to hold on to. Faith requires, um, faith requires an object, excuse me, that when someone says, and you've heard me say this before, and, and I guess I'm not crazy because recently someone said, someone said that exactly to me. Someone says, you got to have faith. I've got faith. The natural question that follows needs to be, faith in what? What is your faith in? Your faith needs to hold on to something. You can't just have faith for the sake of faith, otherwise it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, when someone's actually pressed to define what faith is, it is simply trust. But it's trust based on something else, right? Having faith within yourself just for faith's sake, again, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, the important part is the object and not so much how strong the faith or the trust is. Oftentimes you will hear someone say, that person has a really strong faith. And sometimes they mean it in a good way for that person or a bad way for themselves, right? They'll think lower of themselves that I could never have a faith that strong. And you go, well, you should give it a try, <laughs> you know? Because the thing is, is that it's not so important how weak or strong your faith is. It's what your faith is in, right? It matters what it holds on to. I've given this picture before, but it's worth going through again. It's like two men that are trying to cross a lake that's frozen, right? Um, they have faith that the lake is frozen enough, the water is frozen enough to get them from one side to the other. One of them, though, has great faith, and he gets on a snowmobile and just plows right across one side to the other, and he gets there really quick because he trusts the ice will hold him. The other guy doesn't have such strong faith, and he just kind of does all that he can to get on his stomach and kind of crawl across, dispersing his weight, because he says, I, I think it'll hold me. I think it'll hold me. I'm going to try. So he shimmies across the lake really carefully, and he gets to the other side just fine. It just takes him a little bit longer, right? One guy has really strong faith and goes really fast. The other one has weaker faith and gets there, but at a slower pace. Now, what happens when the ice starts to melt and starts to get a little thinner? Does it matter how strong or how weak their faith is? Because if the ice can't hold them, no matter what they do, they're not going to make it. Does that make sense? Because the guy who has such strong faith in the ice 
will get on his snowmobile and say, I believe the ice will hold me. And he'll just zoom across and who knows how far it'll go till he'll find a really thin spot and just fall right through. He had a strong faith though. You know, what happened? What his faith was in was not strong enough to hold it. And likewise, the other guy, he's weak in his faith and he saw what happened to the guy in the snowmobile and he says, well, maybe if I still have faith in the ice, but I'll just do more dispersing across the ice with my body and just get as much weight across as much space as I can, I'll probably get to the other side. But no matter, the ice is too thin. And he falls through too. See, it didn't matter how strong or how weak their faith was in the ice. The ice just couldn't hold them. So whenever we talk about faith, we have to talk about what our faith holds on to. Does it hold on to Jesus or does it hold on to something else? Is your trust in Christ, the one who saves you from your sin and gives you life everlasting? Or is it, or is it in something else that gives you pleasure for now, but in the end won't save you? We have two examples of weak and strong faith here in our gospel text from, from, um, from Matthew chapter 8. In the first instance, the, the, excuse me, the leper is fairly weak and he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And thankfully, Jesus says, I will. Uh, thankfully, Jesus says that he will. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed. And oftentimes our prayers can be like this. I know that my prayers often are like that. Lord, if it is your will, save this person. Lord, if it is your will, help this person. In some sense, I would say that means that my faith might be a little weak. But no matter, who am I going to? Who are you going to in prayer when you say these things? It's good to say, according to God's will, we want it to be done. But we still ask. And we still come to him, right? So he was weak in his faith, in some sense, weaker. But he went to the right source. But likewise, the, the, the centurion comes and he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and he suffers terribly. And Jesus, he doesn't even ask for him to heal him. And Jesus just says, I will come and heal him. And then the centurion is bold. He's humble, yet he's bold. And he says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. Basically, no, don't do it the way that you wanted to do it, Jesus. Do it the way that I say it. Isn't that great? Don't do it the way that you want to. Do it the way that I know that you can handle it. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Because he understands what it means to have authority. That when you say certain things, they're done, right? This takes place right after the sermon on the mount, and he spoke with authority. He taught with authority. 
The centurion knows this and he says, I know by what you do and what you say, you can make it happen by just a word. And so, Jesus does something he doesn't do very often. He marvels. And he marvels at the faith of this man, this Gentile, this non-believer, right? This Gentile has more faith than all of Israel. And maybe what is so marvelous to Jesus in a good and bad way is that this one man, this Gentile, has faith and the rest of God's people, his chosen people, not so much. Not so much. So he gives a warning and he says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is to say that no matter who you are, where you come from, who your parents are, what country you're from, what nation you belong to, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be cast out. Even if you're a Christian, so-called, you come to church every week, you do all sorts of things, but you don't have faith, it's worthless. It's worthless. And in the end, sadly, you might find yourself as one who says, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name and prophesy? And yet he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because faith and trust fully in what Christ has done will save you. And what's interesting is that in the place where they're cast out into the outer darkness, there will be crying and weeping for sorrow, for the pain that they're going through. But the gnashing of teeth is not from the pain that they feel. It is the wrath. It's, it's the anger that they feel toward God. Because those people in hell are angry with God because they still think that they're right. They think that God is unjust and they will stay that way for all eternity. Kind of like the rich man where he says to Abraham, no, Abraham, don't do it the way that you said to do it, even though you're not suffering and I am, right? That in hell there are those who weep and who gnash because they just hate God so much. So this is a warning to us. It's a warning that when Christ speaks with authority, please listen. Pay attention to what he has to say. Pay attention to what he does. Hold fast to what he does and says, not what you or anyone else does apart from him. But something for us to keep in mind is that with this, we can give thanks to God. That in the face of that threat, on some level, that warning, that without faith you will be cast into the outer darkness, that in the face of that, those who have faith can say, thanks be to God. I don't have to worry about that. I trust that Christ has done all for me. 
that no matter how weak or strong my faith is, I am to humble myself to God's will and to his word. Christ has the ultimate authority that we live under and that we benefit from. He tells us to go and we go. He tells us to come and we come. He says to do this and we do it in faith. So what are we to go? How are we to come? What are we to do? From Romans 12, we see a good glimpse of this. We live in harmony. We do not be haughty. We're not conceited. We don't repay evil for evil, but give thought to, to, do, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you should feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That the faith that we have in Christ, whether weak or strong, is lived out. That Paul says before this text in chapter 12 of Romans, he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, to, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That God has assigned us to be weaker or stronger, depending on where we are, who we are, what we do, what we have been called to do. And so we are not to despise someone who has a faith that is weak or one who is strong. We work together. We are, we are parts of the body of Christ, that we grow and we know more and more because of what Christ says, because of how he works for us through our lives. We all are given varying proportions of faith by God himself, and yet no matter how weak or strong our faith is, as long as it holds fast to Christ, he will continue to say to our faithful prayers, go, go, um, let it be done for you as you have, as you have believed. And these are trustworthy words from Christ that we should hold on to. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.